welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 288. The bad luck streak is broken, and I am your co-host and the guy who has his bottom lip poked out. And if you've been listening to this show for more than one year, you know why I've got my bottom lip poked out, because you've heard this story before. I've got my bottom lip poked out because we are 317 days, 12 hours, 21 minutes, and 24 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And this is normally the time in the show when Cameron would say, and I am your co-host, and the guy who is currently on a trip out of state massacring wild turkeys in the Northeast. But since Cameron is not here, you've got me and only me this week. Just like the good old days. Well, I'm not so sure they were good, so I'm just going to say just like the old days. Yes, Alabama's spring turkey season ended this past Sunday. And I had one awesome hunt Saturday. I took my son hunting this past weekend, and he's been with me a couple of times. Now, it should not go without saying that he is more of a sports guy than he is a hunter. So, as into hunting as I am, he is that much into sports. And so, he just has not turkey hunted with me a whole lot. In fact, I can think of two other times, sometimes entire weekend trips or just a day trip, but two other times he's been with me. And we've heard turkeys gobble both times, but he has not had the experience of a real true turkey hunt until this past Saturday. And I'm going to save the rest of that story for another day because I've actually got a little bit of a long hunt for you guys to listen to today. Well, the killing part of the hunt was pretty short, but the story leading up to the kill was pretty long. And so we're going to get into that here in just a second. But a little bit of housekeeping first. So Cameron and I have been telling you guys that the winner for the owl hooting contest would be announced this week. But it will not because Cameron packed up early and left for his trip to the Northeast 
about two weeks before he was scheduled to. I'm not 100% sure why, other than the fact that he just got a wild hair and just packed up and went on. I think it had something to do with COVID-19 and being concerned about other states shutting down their season to out-of-staters. But when you're young and you don't have a lot of responsibilities, why not just pack it up and go? And that's what he did. And because of that, neither he nor I have gotten a chance to sit down and narrow down the entries into the owl hooting contest to two or three for us to be able to send those to Preston Pittman for him to pick out the one that he likes the most. So, we're accepting no more entries into the owl hooting contest. But if you did enter, we hope to bring you on next week's show the big announcement from Preston Pittman as to who the winner of the owl hooting contest and the one-of-one custom turkey call from Preston Pittman is. In the meantime, you guys are just going to have to sit and wait patiently. Heck, maybe you're turkey hunting still, so you're not all that concerned about it. I hope that's the case. So as I've mentioned, I have a heck of a hunt for you guys to listen to today. This hunt is my first kill of the 2020 Alabama turkey season. Yes, it took a long time for this kill to happen. But when it did, I was, and still am, so very appreciative, so thankful to have the opportunity to be able to harvest this turkey. And it was a heck of a hunt. So let me give you a little background before we dive into the audio on this hunt, or I should say some of the audio on this hunt, because I'm going to tease you along until we get to the meat of the hunt. But this hunt took place on the second to the last Saturday of Alabama's turkey season. And it was part of what my friends and I call the trip around the world turkey hunting. And if you've been listening to this show for any period of time, you have heard the term the trip around the world before because it's something I used to do every single year with my hunting buddies from home, from Alabama. And over the past couple of years, we've put off the trip around the world just because some of the guys have kids who are in sports and kids are in school. And of course, we all have our work and our family constraints on top of that. And it just has been a little bit more difficult to put together the trip around the world. But the way the trip around the world started, for those of you who do not remember or do not know or have ever heard the story, is that several years ago, my friend Chip called me and he said, hey, why don't we, me and you and Todd and George, go to your hunting camp for about four days and hunt turkeys four days straight? Well, of course, I'm in. I'm all over that. I love it. Love the idea. Let's do it. So we put this trip together. And on a Thursday, we load up, head to my hunting camp. We get there, and it was the first year that my dad, who was the president of the hunting club at the time, sold a turkey hunting only membership at the hunting club. Up to that point, I'd been hunting the hunting club property by myself for about 10 years. So I was quite unhappy 
with the fact that he had sold a turkey-only hunting membership to the club. So we get down to the club, and the other member, the other turkey-hunting member of the club, is there on a Thursday. So I come rolling in with me and three buddies. He's there with a buddy. So there's six of us on about 2,000 acres. And long story short, we hunted for one morning and basically loaded up, told them that we did not want to be in their way and we were going to go hunt somewhere else. So we went to my buddy George's hunting camp and we hunted there for a day. And then we loaded up and we left there and went and hunted my buddy Todd's hunting club for a day. And then we loaded up and we went and hunted my buddy Chip's hunting club for a day. And so that is how the trip around the world was born. A day here, a day there, a day over there, and lastly, another day at a different camp. So we kept up that tradition of the trip around the world and traveling from hunting camp to hunting camp all across the state of Alabama for several years. And we had a lot of success on those trips. But over the past couple of years, we kind of put it on the back burner and had not done it. Well, with COVID wreaking havoc, not only on the turkey season this year, but on life in general, with baseball and softball seasons being closed, schools letting out, people being off work, I wanted to get together for a trip around the world. So we put it together, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, and really spent the entire trip in West Alabama, in Sumter County, Choctaw County, and Greene County. So the first day of the trip, we hunted in Greene County, and we hunted my friend Chip's hunting club. And I've had some good success at Chip's hunting club over the years. And I'd hoped that this year would be no different because I've not had good success really hunting any other place. So I needed something to kind of break things up and make some magic happen. So we get to Chip's Hunting Club, spend the night there. The next morning we get up and we all split up and go to different areas. Now there are four of us hunting this, oh, what's probably 1,200 acres or so of property. And the part of the hunting club that I go to is an area that I'm very familiar with, that I've killed a turkey in before, and that I have squirrel hunted and rabbit hunted quite often. So I'm pretty familiar with the lay of the land in this area. So at daylight, we're all in our respective parts of the hunting club, and I hear a grand total of zero gobbles on the roost. So from past experience, I know that late in the season in Alabama, that our gobblers like to group back up. And so when I don't hear any gobbling, I start gobbling. I get my gobble tube out and I'm shaking it. And I'm shaking out a few gobbles here, a few gobbles there, but I'm getting no response at all. So I start walking. I drop off of the ridge that I was on to start the morning at daylight. And I drop into this little creek bottom. And there's a road that runs along the creek, through the creek bottom. And I'm stopping and calling every so often, and I'm listening very closely. I'm looking for any turkey tracks, any turkey sign at all in this bottom. And finally, I get to a point on the road where the creek went over its bank and deposited some sand in the road. 
And in this white sand in the road, I look and I see two sets of gobbler tracks. So I'm studying the gobbler tracks and I'm looking and I'm calling a little bit here and there, but mainly just kind of looking to see where the tracks go, how far I can follow them. Do they go across the creek that runs through this creek bottom? What can I possibly gather from these two different sets of gobbler tracks? So I'm kind of just walking around in the road, out of the road, into the woods, and back into the road, just looking around. I've got my main focus of attention on the tracks in the road. Well, I happen to look up, and about 100 yards from me, I see some movement. And I notice right away that it's my buddy Chip and his, I'm going to call him adopted son, Demetrius, because he's basically adopted, not legally. But Chip took him in as a young man while Chip was coaching football. And Chip and his wife Libby spent a lot of time with Demetrius and I would say helped him along a good bit in life. But Demetrius is the kind of person who helped Demetrius out along in life. Chip and Libby just happened to be there to offer that extra support for Demetrius. But Demetrius has now graduated from college and is pursuing a career as an athletic trainer, and he is a fine young man. And so Chip and Demetrius are hunting together. I see them about 100 yards in front of me. I start walking that direction, get up to them. We're chit-chatting. Have you heard anything? No. Have you seen anything? No. You know, I see some tracks here, and Chip says, well, we've seen a bunch of tracks on up the road where we came from out into one of the clear cuts. And he said, I think we're going to go in that direction. Do you want to join us? Normally, I would say yes, because normally I would have killed a turkey or two by this point, And I would be more interested in helping Chip help Demetrius get a turkey. But I also know that Demetrius has not had any problems getting his own turkeys this year. So I think Demetrius had killed two up to this point himself on public land in Alabama, which is quite an accomplishment. So I said to Chip, I'm going to stay down here along this creek bottom and I'm just going to sit down and do some blind calling and maybe get a nap. And so that's what I did. I left them, walked back to the area where the sand from the creek had come over the bank and into the road where the gobbler tracks were. And I found me a little spot in the shade, somewhat hidden, not as well hidden as I would want to be in an ideal situation. But I sat down there and started to do some blind calling and a little bit of snoozing as well. Now, it wasn't long into my snooze that I thought I heard a turkey gobble behind me. And I knew I was in a poor position to try to get a turkey to come from behind me to in front of me for me to be able to get a shot, which is never a good strategy to start with. But in this case, it was a very poor strategy because the woods behind me were pretty thick. It was a pine forest that had been thinned about three or four years earlier and had not been burned or anything. So it was pretty thick. The woods in front of me run along the creek and they're beautiful hardwood bottom. 
big oak trees, just, you know, not much understory at all, just a beautiful, beautiful piece of woods. So I hear the gobble come from behind me in the thinned pines, and I know I'm in a bad spot. So I get up, and I walk across the road towards the creek into the hardwoods, find me a spot to sit about 10 yards off of the road where I'm fairly hidden, as hidden as you can be in some open hardwoods, and I sit down. And after about 10 minutes of sitting there, I notice some movement in front of me across the road from where I just came from. Now remember, I thought I heard a gobble come from that area, and that's why I moved. So I'm watching this movement. It's coming towards me, getting closer, getting closer, and then it pops into a little opening, and I can see it's a hen. And I think, okay, right now it's not unusual this time of year to see a lone hen with a gobbler. So I'm watching and I'm looking behind her, hoping that there's a tom back there behind her, and there is none. So she comes across the road from the pines into the hardwood bottom that I'm in, and proceeds to walk straight towards me. She gets a little distance away from me and realizes that I don't belong there and that I could be danger. And so she turns around and she leaves. So at that point, I start kind of looking around behind me, between me and the creek, and I'm looking for a spot that would offer a little bit more cover, a little more concealment for me for any turkeys who happen to be walking through these hardwoods. And I see a tree that doesn't really offer a whole lot more concealment, but it's further off of the road that runs through this creek bottom. And I think, okay, well, that's going to be a better spot to sit simply because it's further off of the road. It was about 10 more yards behind me and about one or two yards from the creek. It was not far at all from the creek. So I said, well, that's the tree I want to go sit on. But I didn't move. I sat there. And I kept looking over at that tree and looking at that tree and looking at that tree thinking, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to move. Going to get up and I'm going to move. Okay, a few more seconds and I'll get up and I'll move. Well, all of a sudden I see some movement out of the corner of my eye when I'm eyeballing the tree to my right. I see some movement past that same tree. And I see a red head and a long beard. And then I see a turkey body. And then behind that, I see another red head and beard and turkey body. And I think to myself, all right, well, this could work out pretty well. They have not gobbled at all that morning. They didn't gobble coming in. I never heard them fly across the creek that they just came across. They just showed up out of nowhere. And they're at about my two o'clock. So... They're walking from my right to my left, and I think, okay, if they keep going that direction, I stand a good chance of getting a shot because I'm not going to have to move a whole lot. If they'll walk out into the road that runs through the creek bottom, they will almost walk in front of my gun barrel. So I sit and I wait, and I watch them come closer and closer at an angle and closer, closer, The lead turkey stops behind a tree. The second turkey stops out in the open and sees something he doesn't like in my vicinity. So I get a little head bob from him like he's trying to fake me out like a whitetail does. And when he did that, I said, well, I'm about to make a move on the lead bird whose head was behind a tree. 
So turkey number two starts to turn and walk, and because I was about to move from one tree to another, I had my phone and a pot and peg call and striker in one hand, and in the other hand, I had the grip of my shotgun. So I had to drop the call, the striker, and the phone from one hand, get that hand on the shotgun, and swing around and get on turkey number one, lead turkey. So I dropped the call, the striker, and the phone, grabbed the end of the shotgun, swing to my right, and turkey number one has decided it's time to get out of town. And he's bobbing and weaving through the trees, and I cannot get on him and get my eyes focused on the sight and on him and the direction that he was going to be able to lead him with a shot in order to get a shot at him. I did not feel comfortable taking a shot, so I let him go. And his buddy got away too. Well, they walked across the road and into the thinned pines. So I'm sitting there against this oak tree, kicking myself in the rear end, because those were turkeys numbers 10 and 11 that I had had in gun range and had either not shot at or screwed up a shot at for the season. So to say I was PO'd at myself, to say I was PO'd at turkey hunting, to say I was PO'd at bad luck, all those are an understatement. I was sitting there stewing and then it hits me. It was like, the turkey guardian angels said to me, hey, doofus, just because you spooked those two turkeys doesn't mean they're not killable. So I waited a few more minutes to give them a little bit more time to kind of settle back down after being spooked. Now remember, they likely have not heard me call. Or if they did hear me call, it had been a long time from the time that they were spooked to when they heard me call. So they could not have associated my calling with any sort of danger. So I let them walk off. And I got up, walked out into the road that runs through the creek bottom, and I went away from the turkeys. I went away from the direction the turkeys went. I circled way around them and came in on the other side of them. And here's where our audio picks up. Now, at this point, I knew that I had basically a snowball's chance of calling these turkeys into this thicket. And I'm going to tell you how thick it was here in just a second. But it was thick where I was trying to call these turkeys into. And it's not the place that I intentionally sat down to try to call them into. It's the place where I had to sit or I felt like I was going to get busted by the turkeys. So I sat there for a few minutes calling. They answered. They came even closer. They moved a little bit to my right. They moved a little bit to my left and they gobbled readily. But I knew that my chances of calling them into me in this thicket were slim to none. And that even if I did call them into this thicket, that I was going to be taking a seven to 10 yard shot at a turkey. And I don't like my odds with any of that setup and scenario. 
So I knew I had to back out a little bit and find an area that was a little bit more open. So this is how thick it was. I stood up and walked straight away from those turkeys. They are no more than 40 yards from me, and they never saw me get up and move and reposition. So I walked about 15 or 20 yards away from them, got into a little bit more of an open area. I sat down and I called. And when I did, the turkeys had moved more to the left of where I was sitting the first time. And I looked to my left and it's just as thick there as it was the area that I just came out of. So it didn't take me long sitting there to realize that my chances of calling those turkeys into me at that spot were not real good either. So I got up again. And I'm going to play you a little clip of the audio of me moving through the woods to set up spot number three of this hunt. I'm just going to play you the clip, and then I'm going to come back and explain what happened. So in that clip, you heard me say that I just ran into a tree branch. So there was a tree branch that was running horizontally about, oh, I'd say four feet off the ground. And I bent down to go underneath it, but I obviously didn't bend down far enough. And it hit me square in the forehead. And I hit it so hard that there was a sapling behind this horizontal tree branch that was touching it. I hit that horizontal tree branch so hard that it broke the sapling off, and that was the cracking sound that you could hear in that clip. (laughs) I hit that thing so hard I saw stars, but it didn't take long for the pain in my head to go away. So I got around and I got repositioned, Now, where I sat down this time was on the edge of the road where it comes off of the pond dam on this piece of property and runs down through this creek bottom. The same road that I was on to start with that runs through this creek bottom. So all I've done is make a big loop and get out in front of these turkeys. So I sit down on the side of this road to where I can see about 40 yards down the road thinking I can call those turkeys out into the road. And I sat in this spot for about 10 to 15 minutes before I realized that the turkeys were coming to me, but they had moved more to my left and had actually crossed the road already that I was sitting on and had gone from the pines, the thinned pines, into the hardwood bottom side of the road. I'm sitting on the thinned pines side of the bottom. And if they're in the woods on the opposite side of the road, the more open part of the woods, then I know 
that I don't stand much of a chance of calling them into this road, that I need to get into those more open hardwoods that run along that creek. So I get up, I shoot across the road real quick because the turkeys are in the more open part of the woods. I don't want them seeing me. So I get across the road real quick, get into a little thicket in that hardwood creek bottom because I need some cover around me. But I get to where I can see down the road still because I'm still thinking, really probably hoping at this point, that I can get those two turkeys to come out into that road and come to me. So I'm going to play you guys a little bit of the clip from what is now set up spot number four. Listen in close and I'll see you here in a minute. Looks like it's pretty open where they are.
down and get around them. All right, that's all that I've got for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of this week's hunt and the takeaway, the key to success from this week's hunt, then you will need to either A, go to theturkeyhunterpodcast.com and find episode number 288 PS. That PS stands for Premium Single. And you can buy this one episode without becoming a subscriber to the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You can buy it for 99 cents and hear this hunt in its entirety. It's a good one. I will promise you that. The other way that you can hear the rest of this week's episode is to become an annual premium subscriber to the Turkey Hunter Podcast. The way you do that is you text the word Turkey Hunter to the number 44222. After you send that text message, oh, and by the way, make it one word, Turkey Hunter with no spaces. After you text that to the number 44222, I'm going to send you a series of instructions that you'll need to follow. And eventually, I'm going to email a link to you that you can click on to create your username and password to the Podbean application and pay the $18 per year subscription fee for the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Your $18 annual subscription is going to get you not only the rest of this week's hunt, but it will also get you all of the premium content for our past episodes as well as the premium content for the next 52 weeks. There's a bunch of content locked up under the premium subscription, and I know that you will not be disappointed with your $18 investment to have access to all of that content. So that's all that I've got for you guys today. Now, our calling tip of the week is just what I told you I did in the early part of this hunt. Late in the season, these toms start to flock back up with each other. They were buddies before season came in. Then jealousy caused them to fight and fuss and run each other off. And now the young ladies are starting to thin out and go to nest. These toms are grouping back up. And so don't be afraid to use a gobble in your calling scenarios. Now, if you're hunting public land, please be scared to use a gobble in your hunting scenarios. But for those of you guys who are hunting private land, a gobble is a very effective call to A, to get a shot gobble out of another turkey, or B, to serve as a challenge to another turkey, or C, as a call to let another Tom know that you're there. It's not unusual for them to just want to hang out with other toms this time of year. And so a gobble call is a very effective call late season to throw into your calling routine. So give that a shot this week and next week. Now our favor of the week this week is to please, via social media, share and retweet this week's post for this week's episode. That's a huge help, huge help for the show. It lets lots of new people find the show and grow our listener base. And for that, Cameron and I both thank you. So now's the time when I have to say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week 
And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.